Today's show is brought to you by Aliquot Pro. Aliquot Pro has so many neat features, and one of the features that I think is just fantastic is the smart scan feature. You can scan a QR code which will immediately take you to a service report or you can view a controller page. By placing a QR code on a testing station or controller, your customer can save time by doing the routine tests and tasks you are asking them to do and then logging them seamlessly into the same platform that you're putting your data in, making all of the data able to be searched and you can figure out if there are issues where to start finding solutions. This and so many more features are available on Aliquot Pro. You can find out more about Aliquot Pro by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Aliquot. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And Nation, can you believe it? It's September already. So I was thinking, what are some things that we have to look forward to in September? And there are so many things. So of course, Labor Day is September 6th. And for our Jewish friends out there, Rosh Hashanah is also September 6th. In the United States, we have Patriots Day, which honors all of the people that lost their lives in the 2001 September 11th attacks at the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, and then also outside in uh, Pennsylvania, that one aircraft that the passengers actually took control over so it couldn't crash into a larger facility. So we honor them on Patriot Day. Uh, September 11th. September 12th, did you know it? It's Grandparents' Day. So honor your grandparents and let them know that you appreciate them. Speaking of our Jewish friends again, Yom Kippur is September 15th. And then September 17th is Constitution Day. And that's where the United States celebrates the adoption of the United States Constitution, which took place on September 17th, 1787. September 21st is International Day of Peace, and they ask for observances of moments of silence at noon And that just allows people to kind of think about what's going on around them. The autumn equinox occurs at 3.20, September 22nd, Eastern Time. And this is approximately where we have equal hours of daylight and darkness. So there you go. Those are some things to celebrate during the month of September. And speaking of some other things happening in September, and I'm so excited about this one. In just a few short weeks, September 21st through 24th, I will be in Vancouver, Canada, and I am going to be at the Association of Water Technologies Annual Convention and Expo. I meet so many new Scaling Up members at that convention. 
I hope I meet you. Let's not take that by chance. Look out for me. I will try to look out for you, but let's make sure that we meet. And I would love to know your thoughts about the podcast. I love it when I hear that just people listen to this podcast. So let me know that. If you have any ideas, I would just love to thank you for being a member of the Scaling Up Nation. Again, that's September 21st through 24th. That's in Vancouver, Canada. And if you're a business owner, you want to come in one day early because the Business Resource Committee is putting on the Business Owners Conference. So if you own an industrial water treatment company and you want to hear from peers that own similar companies that are going to share with you best practices, things that you should do, things that you shouldn't do, and just meet a whole bunch of people that are in the same boat that you are, by all means, go to our webpage, scalinguph2o.com, and navigate over to register for that conference. Still plenty of seats left. And if you are a business owner, make sure that you come in a day early. I can't wait to see you there. Some other things that you want to put on your calendar, the IWC, the International Water Conference, November 6th through 10th in Orlando, Florida. The IWC is great. They were one of the first associations to reach out to me and ask me if I would cover their conference. And I did that a couple of years ago and they were very gracious to me. So thank you for being one of the first supporters of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And of course, we're going to have more information about their conference on our show notes page, also on our events section. So if you go to the event section of our webpage, we have got every event laid out so easy for you to follow so you can plan where you want to go next. And then something that my team and I are getting ready for, I hope you are ready for it, October 3rd through 7th, folks, that is Industrial Water Week. And I believe this is year six of Industrial Water Week you are going to be celebrated for an entire week. One day was not enough, and a month's probably just annoying. So we have an entire week to celebrate the awesome job of industrial water treatment. So we're going to celebrate pre-treatment Mondays, Boiler Tuesday, Cooling Wednesday, Wastewater Thursday, and Careers Friday. We're going to have a brand new episode each and every day that week to motivate you to do something a little bit different, to learn something a little bit more, and just enjoy being an industrial water treater. If you did not know about this fantastic holiday, make sure you're telling other people about it. The more people that know about it, the better the celebration is. And the only way we can do that is for us to get out there and let people know that they deserve a week of celebration. Again, that's going to be October 3rd through 7th. Well, Nation, I had so many options to talk about on today's show Thank you for all the people that write in, that leave voicemails, that let me know what you want me to talk about. And one of the things that have come up more than others is our supply chain issues, how much things are costing, how do we talk to our customers about that, how do we make sure our companies are healthy. 
So we're going to talk about that today. So if you own a company, strap in, you're going to enjoy this. If you work for a company, same thing. The things that you do as an employee, as a team member of the company, that is what makes the biggest difference. So don't think just because we're talking about corporate finances and all the things around that, that you can bow out of this conversation. You are the most important spoke in the hub of this conversation. And we've gotten a lot of questions around it. So I wanted to make sure that we talk about all the different options that are out there. And the fact that not making a decision makes a very clear and not healthy decision that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Now, some people have commented on episode 204, where we talked about being profitable. So I guess this is maybe an extension of that episode. That's where I uh, decomposed a hamburger and we talked about how to actually get the pricing for everything that went into that. And so many people have responded back that that was such a simple episode to understand. Everybody knows what a hamburger is. And when you think about all the extra things that you have to make sure that somebody is paying for, Otherwise, the burger place, the company does not make money. It's changed a lot of people's thinking and how they price things. Then, of course, we did a supply chain update back on episode 221. We talked about all the things that are going on in the supply chain. And of course, we are still living them today. Depending on what day it is during the week, we've got a different material that we can't find that's overpriced, that is out of stock. You name it, it just seems to be the way that we have been buying product lately. I hope eventually we go through it. However, everything that I read says that this is how it is going to be. So people waiting for the normal to come back, all the economists that I have read and listened to said this is pretty much the new normal. And for people in the United States, one of the big issues that the economists refer to is the fact that we buy a lot of things overseas and when it gets difficult to ship or there's a, a pandemic, who, who could ever think of a pandemic would ever happen, but it did. When all those things happen, we can't control things domestically. So a lot of economists think that countries are going to go back to supporting themselves more so they can control things more. We'll see if they're right or not. And who knows with when people try to forecast the economy. I just am fascinated with that. And there's so much information out there. You know, even if one person is just 1% right, I think that's an amazing feat. But if we don't keep up with those things, we can't be prepared for those things. And I hope when you heard on the Scaling Up H2O podcast that we were going to have problems with phosphate, you changed how you were buying phosphate. Maybe you didn't buy one drum. Maybe you bought two. Now, I hope nobody out there hoarded because that doesn't help anybody. But the whole goal is that we are in an industry together. And by sharing this information, by working with each other, we're not only going to get through it, we're going to be better by going through it together. So we talked a little bit about that on episode 221. And then on 243, we had an episode on price increases and how we actually talk to our customers about price increases 
And I know that several of you are probably just turning me off right now that it is just too stressful to think about going into one of your customers and saying, we need to charge you more because you know you're going to lose that business. And folks, nine times out of 10, that doesn't happen. But we're going to talk about the different scenarios today on what you can do to help with company profit. And the first thing that I want to uncover is that company profit is not a bad thing. If the company is profitable, they can sustain themselves. If a company is not profitable, well, that company goes out of business. So there's nothing wrong with making a profit. So if you understand that, there's nothing wrong with the company making a profit because that's how the company pays you. And most people do not want to work for free. And with that, we're going to talk about how we can make sure our company is sustainable. So we're going to talk about a term called EBITDA. And EBITDA is a term you might be familiar with. If you ever talk about profit normally, EBITDA gets brought up. It's an acronym. It stands for Earnings Before Interest, Taxes, Depreciation, and Amateurization. Simply put, those are the things that we can control in our companies that tell us what our profit is. And if you have been under a rock for the last year, let me inform you, it is far more expensive to buy everything today than it was a year ago today. In fact, on average, things are 30% more expensive today than they were yesterday. So just think about that statement. If you are in a company and you are charging the exact same thing last year that you were charging this year, most likely you're paying 30% more for the goods that you are having to build for your services. So right there, that tells us that something is not correct. So hopefully you lean in and you think, well, wait a second, if we know if we don't have profit, I don't have a job, we don't have a company, then that is something that we all need to work into. We all need to understand. We all have the responsibility to make sure that we have a job tomorrow. And we do that by making sure that the company is healthy. Well, EBITDA, again, is profit. So how do we increase profit? Well, there's three ways that we can do that. And we're going to talk about each one of those. So let's say we do price increases, a price increase of 5%. Now, you're probably having some price increases that you're having to endure that are well over 5%. But for now, we're talking about our customers. And I know what you're thinking. You are thinking we are going to suffer attrition because customers do not want to pay price increases. So let's just say that we had a company base of $5 million. And without a price increase, our revenue would be $5 million. Let's say it cost us $4 million in order to create that $5 million. So that means our EBITDA is now $1 million. Does that make sense? 
Okay, that's how much we made. That's what our profit was. It cost us $4 million to make the $5 million. So what we have left over is $1 million. That's our profit or that's our EBITDA. Now let's go ahead and do a 5% increase. So that means we're going to increase our current customers an extra $250,000. So instead of just $5 million, we're now billing $5,250,000. Now we have the exact same cost at $4 million. And if we look at our EBITDA, our profit is now $1,250,000. So what you just gathered, and I apologize doing math over a podcast. And by the way, I've got a white paper that I'm referring to. That will be on our show notes page so you can see the graphics of everything that I am talking about here today. You will see that that 5% went straight to the bottom line. And that's really the magic of that because when you increase your cost, there's nothing in between that price increase going straight to your EBITDA or your profit. So that's one thing we can do is we can raise prices. Another thing that we can do is we can increase our sales volume. So let's say here's our base again. So the $5 million that we're starting out with, it costs $4 million to service it. So our EBITDA is $1 million. So now let's say we are going to go out and we are going to sell more business. So let's say we sell 25% more business. So in addition to our base of $5 million, we now just sold an additional $1,250,000. So our total revenue is now $6,250,000. So that's a revenue growth of the 25%. However, we just added 25% onto that, which means our costs go up. So our costs went from $4 million now to $5 million. So we did not add all of that to our bottom line like we did with just a price increase. When we add new business, we also have to add new costs. So our EBITDA only went up $250,000. So it took an entire million dollars to service that increased EBITDA. So I'm hoping now you are seeing that the old adage that sales cures everything is not 100% correct. Sales will definitely improve to the bottom line, but it is very possible, and companies do this all the time, they can sell themselves out of business because there are costs when you sell something. If you're not planning on those costs, you might sell yourself out of business. Now, we didn't do this in this scenario, but we only got $250,000 of extra profit where a lot of people thought we were going to get $1,250,000 of extra profit. So just remember, more sales equal more costs. So the other thing we can do to increase profit is we can reduce cost. So here we are again, our base company sales of $5 million that cost us $4 million to operate is now going to give us that same thing of $1 million of profit or EBITDA. Well, if we cut cost by 6.3%, 
let's go ahead and run those numbers. And it will be apparent why I did 6.3 in a second. So we have the same million dollars of revenue. That has not changed. It cost us regularly $4 million to go ahead and service that $5 million. However, we reduce cost 6.3%. And the reason that's done is because it comes out a very nice $250,000 is a decrease. So actually what our costs are aren't $4 million anymore. It's $3,750,000. And that means our EBITDA goes up $250,000. So we reduced costs by 6.3%. And that was the same equivalent to when we sold an extra 25% more sales volume. And it was the same thing that if we just increased our prices by 5%. So I hope you're seeing the pattern. The best thing that any company can do is to increase their prices. The second best thing that a company can do is reduce their cost. And then when all those things are running efficiently, if we can sell more, even better. So that would really be the trifecta. If we can do all three of those, our companies can get really healthy but I've seen a lot of water treatment companies. I've worked with a lot of water treatment companies and water treatment companies just don't understand their cost. They do not understand how much it costs to service their base of business. So if you are involved in your company where you can get very familiar with how much it costs you to make whatever you make in a year's time, I'm going to urge you to dive into that because we can always sell more and that's always the answer. But as you saw through this example, it's not just selling more, it's using what you have better. And again, the trifecta is raising prices, increasing customers, and then also decreasing your overall costs. Now, maybe you are the type of company out there that is scared to have a price increase because your customer is going to shop you around. And I'm going to be brutally honest with every water treatment company out there. We are paying more for everything that we need within our companies. And there's absolutely no way we can hold the same prices that we have been holding because it's costing us more money. And don't think for a second your clients don't understand that. Now, I didn't say they would like it, but they definitely should understand it. When was the last time you went to a grocery store and you saw fully stocked shelves? Well, folks, that is the telltale sign that we've got something going on with our supply chain. It's not a surprise to anybody else. A bottle of orange juice now costs about $2 more than it did just a few months ago. Chicken salad. I love chicken salad. You go in and buy chicken salad, it's almost doubled what the cost is. And speaking of chickens, how about eggs? We had an issue with the chicken population. Eggs have gone up like 300%. Customers understand that the price of things are going up. Of course, I didn't mention the price of gas. So with all of that, 
if we are truly partners with each other, having a conversation with somebody and letting them know that you're trying to do the best that you can. However, these are the parameters that you've been given to do your best and something's got to give. And if you have this conversation, maybe there's even a fourth solution out there that we haven't even thought of yet, but that you can work out with your customer. And that never would have happened if you didn't start the conversation. So here's what I want to run through. Let's say we go through 10 years of not increasing prices. What does that actually do to our profit? So our same base company of $5 million And of course, we have the cost of inflation. So if we look at the cost of inflation, it's normally about 3% per. So I'm just going to take our revenue of $5 million. And of course, we know it costs us $4 million to service that. And that means our profit, our EBITDA is $1 million. Well, let's say we stay the same for 10 years. In year two, we're going to have inflation cost of $120,000. That's going to be added straight to our operating cost. And that means our EBITDA is now $880,000 where it used to be a million. Let's go to year three. So the next year, our inflation costs are now going to be $123,600 which is going to add to our operating costs. That's now bringing our EBITDA to 756,400. Year four, inflation cost 127,308. That makes our new operating cost 4,370,908. That means our EBITDA is now $629,092. You can see how it's really going down. Year five, our $5 million, and now our cost of inflation is $131,127. That means our operating cost is $4,502, and that is bringing our EBITDA to below $500,000 at $497,965. Folks, if I fast forward, and I go to year 10 with all of that math, we are actually in a deficit. It is going to cost us more money to operate than we are actually billing for. In fact, we start going out of business somewhere in year eight. So if you are not constantly looking at your costs, and I'm sorry to throw all those numbers at you. I hope those made sense. I do have the white paper that I am referring to on my show notes page so you can see all this, so you can have conversations around it. But just holding the same price for 10 years, actually eight and a half years, will put you out of business. So things never stay the same. Our prices shouldn't stay the same. And with all of the extra work that we are having to do to find supplies, it's coming from somewhere. And that means we're not out working with our clients because we're trying to find all of these hard to find pieces of equipment and products. So what do we do about that? And how do we actually minimize the time that we need to spend on a customer location so we can do the things that we should be doing at a customer location? So let me tell you what I mean by that. We are doing things as a professional water treater that we probably shouldn't be doing 
because we do not have the support we need on the customer site. And because of that, we're having to do a lot extra work. Or, and I should say and or, there is not adequate equipment on site that allows us to get the information, to process the data, to give us more parameters so we don't have to be on site in order to see what's going on. And by the way, that's the yin and the yang. If somebody isn't on site for us getting us this information, well, then let's automate that because it doesn't mean we don't need the information. It just means that we're not getting the information and it's making our job harder. And we're having to do more corrections when we go on our regular basis because we don't have all of those things to begin with. If we can explain to our customers what it's costing them not to have better equipment, what it's costing them not to have people involved on site so they can be part of the process, if they don't understand that, they're never going to understand price increases because they don't understand the true value that you are giving them. So it's my hope that you're not just sending an email that says, see attached report. Folks, do not do that. There is no value in that because trust me, your customers, I'll say most customers, do not understand the value that you bring to their facility each and every time that you go for a visit. They don't understand that they are running clean systems and they're facing all these same issues that we're talking about. It costs more for them to do everything that they are doing as well, but it doesn't cost them more because their system is dirty, because they're not getting good efficiency. You have to do what you have to do in order to bring them that benefit. And you can let them know if you didn't do these things, they're going to be paying 5 or 10% more on their electric bill to operate their chiller. Or maybe it was their gas bill for their boiler. Because you're doing your job right, because you know what to look for, because you know what products to use, because you know how to test for them, that is saving them money. And the same wares that allow you to do that today, that allowed you to do that a year ago, are now more expensive. So have that conversation with your customer. Make sure they understand your value. And if it was up to you, you'd probably do it for free. I have no doubt of that. But unfortunately, the company's got to make profit and you like living indoors and eating food. So with all of that, we've got to make sure that everybody is winning. And when we understand the numbers, when we understand how much things cost and what those costs mean to our company, we can make better decisions each and every day. Nation, if you're wondering, I'm actually referring to a white paper that was put out by the Yale School of Management, and it was actually put out the 15th of June of last year, and it's called On the Nature of Price Increases, and it is one of the best white papers that I have ever read on price increases because it really explains all of the things that you always wanted to ask about price increases. It even goes into, oh no, what if I lose customers because I instituted a price increase? And I've already thrown enough math and enough numbers at you, so I'm not going to do it again. But what they actually show you in this white paper 
is that normally most people do not leave. And by the people that do leave, it actually improves your profit because it's cutting down on your service cost. And normally those are the customers that don't believe in your product and service to begin with. Those were probably the customers that were not doing the things that you asked them to do, making your job harder, pointing fingers at you instead of doing the things that they needed to do to improve the program. So not only are you going to be more profitable without them, you're going to have a better quality of life without them. I know this is very hard doctrine, but just think about it. When when we all understand how the company works, when we all understand what we need to do to make sure that everything stays healthy, everything seems to work out. It's when we stick our head in the sands and we're too scared to have the conversations that we know we need to have. And let's face it, you are scared to have them because you have not been telling those customers about your value. So now without the value conversation, the only conversation you're having is we need to charge you extra Well, did you create that or did your customer create that? So if you don't get anything else out of today's podcast, I hope it's make sure everybody knows the value that you bring as a professional water treater. And to be even better as a professional water treater, here's a brand new Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about keeping chemical dosing pumps primed. How does the chemical product being pumped impact how well a dosing pump stays primed? Is flooded suction always better than a suction lift or vice versa? When would one be desired over the other? Does the distance a pump sits above the liquid level matter? How might bubbles and gases that build up in tubing be removed? How do you know when a pump has lost prime? Can you tell by sound or touch? How could a system alert you when priming is lost? Take this week to think about keeping your chemical dosing pumps primed. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. Scaling Up Nation, I know numbers make most people ill, and I know it's difficult when you're driving along to keep up with all those numbers. As I mentioned, that Yale School of Management white paper is on my show notes page I hope just by listening, you see how important it is for you to understand the impact that you make each and every day, one, on people understanding what value you bring, but also what value is needed so you can continue to bring it. For everybody that wrote in to ask me to speak more on this topic, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I'm always hesitant to come up with topics that have a lot of numbers in them, but when you ask for it, I know it is the very topic that you want to hear. And for all of you out there that have a show idea that have not shared it with me yet, please rectify that as soon as possible. Go to scalinguph2o.com, navigate over to our show ideas page, and let us know exactly what it is that you want 
to hear. When you do that, I can put shows out like this and I can make sure that the entire industry is getting better one podcast at a time, one water treater at a time. Have a great week, folks. I'll have a brand new episode for you next Friday. Scaling Up Nation, if you keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same results. And that's why joining a mastermind like the Rising Tide Mastermind is a game changer in allowing you to achieve different and better results. You have an entire team that combines to help you get to where you want to go. The Rising Tide Mastermind is the catalyst to your next level of success. To find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.